everybody. Talk about it outdoors live once again in the Wilson studio. In session and on time. James Turner coming with us tonight. He was a special guest on the last episode. And we cannot wait to get this one underway. Y'all stay tuned. Golly, that was good, wasn't it, Nick? You like that new intro music, don't you? you I don't, like know, if I, with I don't know if I like it as good as, as as I think I do, but I definitely like uh, like messing with it, and it's fun. So we'll just keep changing it up each week and keep people on their toes. Well, we could do that. Go back to our old one every once in a while. Just dun 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 dun. Whatever, James. Good to have you here with us tonight. Glad to be here. Our last episode, James did a. You know, I'm I'm surprised at how well spoken he is. We've put him in the uh, in the spotlight tonight, say, though, Nick. Yeah, yeah. How you doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> I feel like that doing. music. I feel like that music kind of set me in a somber tone. <laughs> so you we, think? we might already change it back up. Yeah, it's really, really depleted my uh, my energy. Well, get geared up. Let's go. I am geared up for tonight. <laughs> it's going to be a fun one. Uh, everybody, you know what? It's almost turkey season. It is one day closer to the fly down. I ain't going to say it like Cuz did, the countdown to the fly down. You just said it. I know. If I had to, I couldn't help myself. But it is one day closer to turkey season. I know you are awfully excited for that to get here and uh, be underway. Um, you think this is probably the most excitable turkey season? By far. What makes this one different? I don't know. I guess because we've been talking to turkey hunters. <laughs> well, we've definitely been talking to turkey hunters. What about that new call you got up there in the truck? You want to tell me? I bought me one about of them that? trumpet calls from uh, Kevin Dorsey out in Cleveland, Georgia. Okay. And uh, probably the hardest thing that I've tried to use. You tried one of those, James? I hadn't. What is a box call? Or? No, it's just one of those trumpet calls, oh, it's like trumpet a wing call. bone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably the hardest. <clears throat> um, you don't blow out. Suck in, and uh, I got. I think I've got the yep down, but gonna take a little practice. Gonna take a little practice. And, and for the unbeknownst hunter out there that doesn't know about turkey calls, where does the trumpet fall into play? Is it you can do anything on it? Essentially, not me. Well, I know yeah, not but, you, yeah. but you could do anything on it. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if you could gobble on it. But the guys, um, Dave Owens had a video out the other day with some guys from the KT team and. They were doing kind of an instructional, instructing, instructional, <laughs> help in, me out, out. Instructional. <laughs> yeah, sorry, video, and um, the guys are yelping and clucking and putting and purring and kiki running, so not me. <laughs> you'll get there. Anybody knows knows you, knows you put your mind to it, you'll get there on it. So, James, like I said at the beginning of the show, Glad to have you here tonight. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to pick your brain about what's been going on and get you to tell us all about who who taught James how to how to hunt. Nick, I think you said that earlier. Was it Jason Lewis that did you said taught him everything he knows about hunting? <laughs> yeah, or was it you that taught Jason? I think it's everything? probably the other way around. Really. <laughs> oh, hey, <laughs> no, I, I, maybe one day I'll get to his level. Maybe one day. Well, you spend enough time out there, I guarantee you will. I know you've posted on Facebook a few times. Oh, I ain't killed no big deer or anything, and here you are going out to Kentucky. What was that deer you killed in Kentucky a few years ago? Uh, Kentucky was uh, one sixty-two and seven eighths. Yeah, the best deer at the time. So yeah, and then you had to go up there to the great state of Iowa 
and mm-hmm. uh, top it with what a one sixty six. Uh, he was one sixty nine actually, mm. one sixty nine and an eighth. So just barely missed Gross Booner. I was actually crazy enough. I was actually just less than an hour away from Mr. Jason Lewis when I killed that deer. Yeah, he told us about that. That yeah. it was uh, it was exciting. We'll get into that in a little bit. I want to hear all about that. But James, we thank you for coming over and being with us. Nick, you reached out to me a couple of weeks ago. Said, why don't we get James Turner to come on? He likes to talk about it. And I said, hey, let's do it. And here he is tonight in the flesh. So what's your uh, thoughts on kicking this thing off? You you know, what do you want to talk to him about? What questions do you have for uh, for Mr. Turner? James, you ready for turkey season? Oh, I've been ready, buddy. As soon as deer <laughs> season's over, I switch my mind to turkey season. Well, you got you got two young girls, and they've both taken turkeys. Yep, yep. Had a had a good time with that, and um, they both know. only killed one turkey so far. Actually, my my oldest has killed a turkey. She uh, she killed her first one when she was five. My youngest, Blakely, uh, has not actually killed a turkey. She shot and missed a turkey uh, about three or four years ago, I guess it was. And uh, we were we were kind of running late to a uh, competition cheerleading event and so we went turkey hunting that morning then she got dolled up for a cheerleading event later on but <laughs> oh she, i thought you meant you was competing no in that oh, yeah, you don't want, you don't want to see that uh <laughs> but no it, she she actually missed one but she did kill a deer this past year she killed okay. a nine pointer in ball ground so wow super pumped for that first deer first deer ever That's pretty good uh, for a nine pointer she, she, beat, Georgia. <laughs> she beat her old dad i guarantee you yeah my first one was a three-pointer so well, we all know about all them three points and spikes and everything back in our younger days. Deer We're not going to bring. You said we weren't going to bring up mayo again. <laughs> <laughs> the old spike assassin himself, the old eleven pointer. And deer hunting has changed though around here for what what we grew up. I mean, as I mean, realistically, we you killed an eight pointer around here. You was doing something good, yeah. no doubt. And that's changed, and that's good that you know we can take kids out and get them involved and stuff like that. But um, yeah. so James, just you know, I, I don't know really how I want this episode to go. I just want to kind of carry it out and and see what we can go through. But you know, you said you geared up for turkey season. You hunting in Georgia only turkeys? Uh, no. So obviously that's going to be my primary place of hunting. But I'll, I've got a Kentucky trip planned. We got some property up there in, in Western Kentucky, and I like to go up there at least once, maybe twice, just depending on how the schedule allows. But uh, so it'd be be Georgia and Kentucky this year. So looking looking forward to that. Uh, Georgia hunting's going to look a little different for me this year. Uh, being a local boy, a lot of you guys may know Shoal Creek Hunting Club uh, kind of disbanded and they've sort of reorganized. But anyway, so was on a hunt for a, a new hunting club, and so I found one this year. So things are going to look a little bit different around here, but looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good year. Down south or up here? Up here, actually, uh, right here in your backyard, Henderson Mountain Hunting Club. So uh, we'll see we'll how be they... hunting the same turkeys. Yep, yep. Golly, we'll, see, we'll see who gets there first, right? <laughs> You might well, be over the weekend. <laughs> you heard us on that last episode. We get we get you one of the meat box, Nick. You can, you can race him to it. I'll, I'll change the locks at the gate. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Knock them off. Is is Kentucky over the counter tags? It is over the counter. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. That's so there's good. no no draw process or anything. And you told me earlier sitting here that you turkey hunted Illinois before. I That's have. a draw system, right? It is. Yep. So Illinois, uh, Kentucky. Um, Montana killed a Merriman out there, a couple of them, and uh, Alabama, Southern Alabama, uh, what we call LA, Lower Alabama, you know. So, um, tell me, ten- how, tell me how the Illinois um, tag system works because you you only get to put in for like a week at a time, correct? Right. And yeah. you, and is is one more priority than the other? You know, I 
I really don't remember. This has been a long time ago, back when uh, we had some property up there. So I'd say it's probably been 10 years ago back then. And it wasn't as hard to get a, t- a tag, from what I understand, as it is now. Uh, but we, we put in, and it was um, – we basically just went up there for like a five-day hunt, for instance, you know. And uh, so we got drawn, went up there, and didn't do any good, didn't kill a turkey up there, but but had a good time anyway, so. What do you think about – you? have you kept up with the new Georgia potential – What's your take on it? I have, I have, and um, you know, they they send out the the questionnaire, and and I done my due diligence and filled out the questionnaire and submitted it, and uh, was listening to Dave's episode, uh, you know, and his input on it, and it, you know, obviously, I think it's a little different than mine um, in regards to, you know, I, I I understand where he's coming from, where where you're talking about when you start restricting the number of days, it's hard to get it back, and I hundred percent agree with that. Uh, but then I look at our season and, and our our uh, number of birds that we can kill this year and or any year, any given year, and that's three, our, our limit's three, and you go looking at other states, you know, for instance, uh, and, and you can look at any other state and for that for that matter. Um, but we've got some of the most liberal seasons. We're, we're able to hunt for almost two full months. Uh, we're able to kill three turkeys legally. You know, there's a lot of good old boys around here probably do a little more than that. Um, but my response to it was, you know, I would be okay with, with dropping that limit to two. Okay. Uh, for the, for the near foreseeable future and, and, and to see, uh, you know, what the, what it does to the population, you know? So let's say we drop it to two and because the length, the the amount of time that you, that you have. So let's say we're, we're 50 days versus, uh, right now, we're, we're able to hunt around 50, 55 days, whatever that number is. If you drop that to, say, 30, for instance, but still able to kill three turkeys, are you really doing any good, right? You're still going to be able to go hunt, kill three turkeys. You're just cramming it into a shorter period of time. So my, my thought process would be, let's go ahead and reduce that limit to two, okay, statewide, and, and, and have some research over the next couple of years to see uh, if, if the turkey population is able to benefit from that or able to recover from that. And if it does, it's showing an upward trend, then, then maybe in the future we, can, we could possibly go back up with it. But you got a lot of things, you got a lot of factors going on. Obviously, I'm not a very smart guy. I'm, not, I'm no wildlife biologist by any means. <clears throat> um, but you've got predation, obviously, is a, is a big factor. Uh, you've got growth, you know, uh, the state of Georgia is, is growing at a very rapid rate when it comes to population. Uh, Metro Atlanta in itself is growing. So the further out that the, that the homes get, you're a home builder like I am. And, and, and so the more development that comes on is, is just going to continue to push those, push those turkeys even further away and away. So um, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's just my, my thought process. And I think if we reduce it to two and, and just kind of sit back and see what happens, you know. I, I kind of have a take over of a previous listener. Like Alex said, this is a live so we're going to have this episode that this guy talked about. But you might help me out what he said, Alex. He said um, about killing a big buck. If you'll wait on that deer, how did, he, how, did he quote, how did Don quote, if you'll wait on that big deer, what, what sets you apart from waiting on a deer? Oh, what was it he said? Oh, uh, I, judge me not for the deer I kill, but judge me for the deer that I let walk. So with that being said, if if the listener out there, why do, why do you have to go kill three turkeys? You can still hunt forty five days, whatever we get. You can still have three turkeys. Do you you don't have to fill those tags? 
Nobody's holding you, holding a gun to your head. <clears throat> Nobody's saying, okay, well, I got three turkeys come in. I need to kill them all. You can go out there and play with them, have fun, just like the next person. Because if you, if you, if that, if you don't shoot that turkey, a, a, a mature gobbler, I think that turkey will probably make it until next year. I don't know the percent chance, but that, but we don't have to shoot every turkey that comes in. That's the right. shooting range. Well, no, and it's the same thing with deer. You know, we talk about deer populations in Georgia and what's changed from when we was growing up hunting. Well, when I was coming up hunting. If you had bone above the hairline, you better be shooting it because everybody else around you was. And that mentality's kind of changed now. People want to kill bigger bucks. They're producing better deer in Georgia because I think that mentality has changed. Now, with the turkeys wanting to reduce it down, I don't necessarily agree with that. And based on the lines of what you said, because we as outdoorsmen and conservatives or whatever or conservationists, you need to be more mindful that, hey, I've only got five turkeys gobbling on this piece of property here. Do I really have to kill five here? I, I got a piece of ground that I can hunt every year. And if I go up there and there's more than one turkey, I'll try to take one of them. Right. But if there's only one turkey, a couple of years ago there was only one gobbler there, and I wouldn't hunt it just because I wanted to leave that herd alone. And I get it. People go out there, they put the work in, they roost it, they call it in. I get, I'm not saying don't shoot it. I'm just saying – Think about next year and the next year and the next year. Well, and, you know, Charlie Killmaster, he made a very interesting point to me that I didn't I didn't think about before when he said that the state controls the population of deer, not the DNR. The state controls, I would assume, the number of turkeys that get killed through legislation and not the DNR. Yeah. DNR's done a lot of research into what, you know, how, the amount of deer, and it's very hard to get that number changed because it's done by voting. <laughs> That's right. done by lawmaking. So if we change it back to two and the turkey population explodes over the next 10 years, how hard is it going to get it to be increased back to three? You know, that's, yeah. that's my only thing on it. But as conservationists, you need to be mindful. What you if shoot we, every what turkey if, out there, you're going to be in trouble. What if all the people in Georgia went out and filled all 12 deer tags? We'd be in trouble. We would be in trouble. We don't have to shoot all the three turkeys. So Yeah, right. and I agree with that. And yeah. it's and it's and that's the that's the interesting thing about it. You know, you've brought that up several, several times on episodes asking about what the, the, the rule changes are going to be. I mean, we literally ask everybody that we've talked to since that was brought yeah. to fruition – I hope about December we've let that that let that bed put that to rest. But at the same time, it's awful interesting to get everyone's take on it. And just like O'Neill said, whatever they pass is what I'm going to do. Yeah, you know, sure. it's going to be what we follow as far as the rules go. And but you you do bring a very interesting point to light that you ain't got to kill every turkey that you see out there. That's right. And yeah. that's the that's the cool thing about it. So, was you a turkey hunter back when you was younger? Did you did oh, yeah. you put dad get you into that <clears throat> Absolutely. too? Absolutely. Started turkey hunting when I was uh 9 years old, same as deer hunting. Took me a couple years to kill a turkey. Them, them suckers are smarter than you you give them credit for, but uh so I was I was actually 12 years old before I killed my first one, but uh yeah, I've been turkey hunting for a long time and uh hate to say it, but being in my home state of Georgia, I'd take a turkey hunt over a deer hunt any day in the state of Georgia. So yeah, I, I'd like I, I agree with that. Well, let me ask you this, and this this is something I thought about over the weekend. We were we were talking about it up in Tennessee. Um, you think getting into turkey hunting was something that did Jack turkey hunt? Your oh, dad? absolutely, yeah. And and your dad, my dad, yeah, turkey hunting absolutely, and my granddad. My granddad remembers when there weren't any turkeys around here, right. you know, and, and he remembers seeing the first one 
out on Altoona WMA or wherever it was he was hunting at, and he tells stories about, you know, we didn't, we didn't back in the 60s and 70s, there weren't many turkeys around here. Well, you, you know? know what we did when I was a kid, turkey season? We went trout fishing. That's what we did. Every weekend, we was up there busting the creek banks and Emberwill and Montgomery trout fishing. And that's just not what we did growing up. Now, when I got to be a teenager, I went with old Marvin Poole some and went out hunting with him and tried it. And it just, to me, a fishing pole belonged in my hand that time of year and a turkey belonged in y'all's life that time of year. And that yeah. goes back to what we've talked about on a lot of episodes. It's all in how you was raised and what you like doing, you know. And that's right. turkey hunting didn't grab me as something I wanted to do. Do I love hearing them gobble and all that? You've took me and, and man, it was exciting, yeah. Two hours into it, I'm sitting there thinking, man, I wish I was on the lake somewhere fishing. You know, that was just what I like to do, and that's that's interesting. It, it doesn't take the person that's not um, vested in it long to get frustrated out there because, like Dave said, you know, first 30 minutes is usually pretty hot if you got some birds in the area. You ever been on a topwater bite on Lanier the first 30 minutes and tried to go catch on, them deep? I've been on a topwater bite at Klein's Lake, and that was fun. But, but I mean, and that's all in what you, you grow yeah. up doing, and, and that's awful. It's it's what we said time and time again with about pinions. You know, it's everybody's got one. They all stink. That's and right. it's mm-hmm. just, just the way it is, and we can all argue and, and say this and that or what we should do and what we shouldn't do, but if we continue to – bring about the conversation on how we want to improve things i think we'll be better off and that's i love you bringing that question up every time because it's it's a we get different takes each time and i get a different take each time yeah stuff comes to it's a hot topic i mean it can definitely be a hot topic as we go through it and and continue on so and i can't believe you'd say you'd take a turkey hunt over a deer hunt james Mm. i'm really (laughs) upset Jason, I hope you're listening bass, to this. Bass I hope you hear that. Is third on the list, by the way. <clears throat> well, at least that's at least that's ahead of brim fishing. Yeah. You didn't throw that out there. <laughs> so, did you when you when you first got into turkey hunting? Did it did it kind of take over at that point, or did y'all y'all hunt around here? Did you go south, or what was the you know where was your places to go hunt? Realistically, all of our hunting was done right here in North Georgia. You know, so mostly Cherokee County, Pickens County um was fortunate enough for my family to own some land you know years ago and so we'd hunt on you know family owned land and uh shoal creek hunting club my granddad's been in or what had been in that club for for over 30 years you know and, and i never knew you was even in that hunting club is that right i hunted that i've hunted there my whole life i yeah. mean uncle Wibram was a member from back in the, uh, the 80s i yeah. mean he I, hunted I killed, there i killed my first deer there uh when i was 10 years old and i'd have been 1994 so that's how long i've been going there uh with my dad and granddad but uh that place is covered up with turkeys you know and so that's what and there's not a whole lot of turkey hunters in that club uh there was 75 members up until this past year and i can remember i can probably count on one hand how many actual turkey hunters i knew that actually went to the club and and hunted turkeys on a regular basis only one i knew was danny my danny d boy my cousin he he turkey hunted it and i mean that was the only one that i knew of that actually went. that's no more club now right well, I don't know the ins and outs about it, but from what I understand, they disbanded the existing show, what they call the Shoal Creek Hunting Club, uh, but the family has now released it to a handful of guys, let's say. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's changed. We'll just I put thought, it that I way. I it was going to be a wedding venue. Or... They are going to make a wedding venue right? down there. At the more the more family is kind of taking it over and everything okay. else. But I don't know all the politics of it. We got out of it several, several years ago. Uncle Wibberton didn't want to do it no more. But I'll tell you, that's a that's an interesting thing place when you talk about deer yeah when i was a kid you could go down there and you'd see deer everywhere you went there was deer that was the most 
If you wanted to kill a big buck in Cherokee County, if you was a member in Shoal Creek Hunting Club, there was an opportunity going to be there to kill it. Mm -hmm. When they changed it to the doe days where they only had it the day after Thanksgiving to Saturday and the Saturday after Christmas, I seen less deer on that hunting club after that than I ever did any time. Is that right? I mean, I just didn't see the deer that I used to there. I mean, it changed for me. And I think a lot of those deer, they got overpopulated, and they crossed, crossed over to Airhead. I mean, it's right mm-hmm. there at it, so they was on top of that, and they sure. just didn't have the food there that they had before. That's right. And, of course, timber cutting and everything else, I'm sure yeah, that changed affected, it. That affected some, for sure. But it was it's it's that was a great place to hunt. I mean, I was right up the road at Big Ten. I mean, we hunted there my whole life. I mean, until I was 21 year old, we had that club from the time I was a, you know, a kid. Yeah. It was always fun to, to hunt in Cherokee County for that, and – did y'all hunt in South Georgia at all? No, you know we deer hunted in South Georgia down uh down around Albany on the Flint River. So uh, grew up deer hunting down there quite a bit, but there just wasn't that many turkeys. So we we just and we had plenty of places around here. You know, had Shoal Creek Hunting Club. We uh, we hunted over on Garland Mountain. Uh, killed killed a lot of turkeys over there. And uh, Nick and I was talking about it before we got the episode started. But down at Governor's Preserve, you know that uh, that was some property that we used to have access to hunt on and. That's under next big big Mike's down there, his homestead next to Governor's Reserve. Yeah, but um, you know, just just enjoy it and 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 look forward to it every year. As soon as deer season's over, that's that's what my mind shifts gears and starts thinking about turkey season. You know, and and what I need to do to get ready for it. So you only have the you only have the Eastern and the Os- uh, Merriam, right? That's right. Yeah. Osceola on the radar absolutely so uh, just like any other turkey hunter you want to get the slam right so yeah. osceola and the rio will be next and i'll tell you this is a quick quick story but uh i had an opportunity when i was a senior in high school to go out on a uh, out to texas with my dad and granddad and a real close friend of theirs to on a rio hunt <clears throat> and you know what time of year turkey season is it's in springtime and as a as a uh, high schooler and and as a senior um we had a spring break trip planned to go down to Redneck Riviera, Panama City, and uh, I said, uh, "Dad, I think I'm gonna sit this one out. I'm gonna go down to the. I'm gonna go down to the beach." And I had my one, and they all killed. They killed the first day. I mean, I'm telling you, they they and they and out there you could kill two Rios, uh, and they they both limited out in the first day, or all three of them limited out in the first day. And I had my opportunity to kill a Rio, and that was what I'm 36, so that's been 18 years ago, and I ain't killed one yet, so. I should have taken my opportunity to kill that Rio. Don't sit over here and shake your head like you wouldn't have been in Panama City that week. Like you, <laughs> no, like was, you go just, go on a turkey hunt. I wasn't shaking my head at that. I was shaking my head and thinking all of the things that we could go back and redo. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. They, they would be a they would be a list for uh, yeah, South we Georgia. We ain't got enough time to sit here and talk about that. So, that's right. but that that's pretty cool that you you had the opportunity and now. You better get on it. Oh, it's going to happen one of these days. One of these days. You ain't got the invite back out there? No, not, not in the last 18 <laughs> years. I'll, I'll figure a way, though. We'll get it done. We'll get yeah. it done. No, I, take me into this one. Do you have – go ahead. No, go ahead. Do you have a state in mind that you might get a Rio? <sighs> no, not really. Just whatever opportunity comes up, you know. Um, yeah. I've got a friend or something that wants to go out and – I like to hunt with somebody, you know. I, I don't. I mean, you boys are probably the same way. It oh, makes yeah. it a lot more fun, a lot more enjoyable. Um, I've I've turkey hunted around here by myself and killed turkeys by myself, but it's uh, it's way more enjoyable when you got somebody. So if you know, I got a friend gets an itch and want to go, I'll uh, we'll, we'll set up a trip and go out there. But I'd like to kill one here here for too long for sure. Yeah, I think this has motivated me more than anything doing this podcast and talking to different people to do the slam. I had never even. Before this year, we probably hadn't even ever thought about going. I mean, I killed one in Alabama before, but not going out to 
another state, you know. Right. So right. yeah. Well, it kind of gave you some encouragement to get out sure. there talking to them. Sure. I would have never bought that trumpet that I can't use. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll figure that out. Ain't it out my mind? So when you 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 hunted just like we did, growed up hunting just like we did. Mm-hmm. When did you first go out of state? Oh, let's see here. Um. <clears throat> I think my first out-of-state trip, and 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 I'll, I'm just going to tell you boys right off, I was very fortunate, very blessed as a young hunter and coming up and, and to have the resources and the places to go, and especially being around my dad and, and granddad because they're what I would consider Western big-game hunters, or at least they were. I mean, they, they hunted pretty much every state out there, killed doll sheep and, and brown bear and moose and all this other stuff, stuff I dream about, you know, and still hadn't been able to – to experience maybe one day <clears throat> but um my my first out-of-state hunt was uh was in new mexico on an elk hunt uh okay. at, at 14 years old so and i uh you know wasn't a real big bull but it was a good time i actually got my dad put me in for a draw um and it was near silver city new mexico we flew into el paso texas and it was a seven-day hunt and he put me in for this uh youth hunt and i got drawn there's one other guy from texas one other kid from texas he was 15 i was 14 and we were the only two, only two kids on the entire hunt. And we both killed bulls, and uh, mine was just a four by five. But I was tickled pink with it, you know, about about a seventy yard shot with a two forty three, and it was a good time. So, um, and I've been hooked on elk hunting ever since. I'll, I'll tell you right now, is if I had to, if I had to put them in order of of preference when it comes to hunting, elk would be my number one w- without a doubt. Um, it's it's just uh, there's uh, like that like that boy said. Uh, what 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 do you call him? Young uh, young hunter. Oh, hunter oh, yeah. young. Yeah, yeah hunter he, young. He's yeah. talking about nothing like a bull bugling in your face at thirty yards. You can't even describe it until you're there, and and you can you can almost you can feel you can almost feel their heartbeat, and you can almost smell their breath. They're so close when they get to bugling, and it, there's nothing like it. It's like he said, it's a it's a turkey hunt on steroids. Of course, you're talking about an eight hundred to a thousand pound animal come roaring in you know horns clanking on the trees and all this stuff and there's nothing else like it but it's uh it, it's definitely a good time and i look forward to that season you know every year too so now do you spend a lot of time preparing to go to elk hunting again is it i, I know you don't go every year on an elk hunt do you no not uh, well i used to up until just a few years ago and and obviously i had the opportunity to be able to do that just with some with some family opportunity there but uh as of late not not so much uh, but yeah there's 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 preparation just like any other kind of hunting you know uh, i'm getting on up into age and got a few more pounds on me than i did in high school so i gotta do a little more exercising to be able to climb them hills because you're you know you're out there hiking you know you're you're not just sitting in a deer stand or you're not just sitting on a ridge waiting on a turkey to gobble uh you're you're moving you're moving a lot you know and uh and then shooting you know shooting uh, i like to when i'm elk hunting i really prefer to bow hunt because uh elk hunting uh, the rut is is archery season in most states, and that's right. that's in the month of September, right? So you're you're archery hunting. So do do quite a bit of uh, preparation in that in that respect, and get out the old calls, and you know, uh, aggravate the wife a little bit with the with the calls going on. Try to practice my <laughs> Lord, my Nick, you'd be and, you'd be divorced <laughs> practicing turkey calls in the, in the spring, <laughs> and then uh, uh, practicing doggone elk calls in, in the fall as much I, as you like to practice. So. I, get, I get in trouble all the time. I'll just be walking around down here in the basement. <laughs> Cluck purring. Imagine if you was down here with a help bugle. bugle. Oh, Dogs that, have the that, floor that'll, that'll really get her attention. I guarantee you. You should try that one out. When you first got out there to New Mexico, was it was it pretty life 
changing as far as seeing that different terrain? It is, man. It's it's something else. If you've never been out there, I highly encourage you to do it, or at least put it on your bucket list to do any kind of western hunting. is is you know is is remarkable. So I've I've hunted, been lucky, fortunate enough to hunt New Mexico, uh, out west, and and Montana. Uh, hunted Montana for several several years and uh, killed some elk out there and some mule deer as well. And it's just uh, it's just a really good time. Uh, they eat good too, don't they? Oh yeah, elk, elk, elk is about as good as it comes. I agree, it's it's delicious. And what I've eaten of it, I mean, it yeah. was some of the best meat that I've had. You killed an antelope? I have not killed an antelope. I have not. I've had opportunities. Uh, <laughs> I, I had I had the biggest antelope buck I've ever seen in my life on a Montana elk hunt one time, and I've actually got a video of it somewhere. But this sucker comes in, and okay, so uh, uh, an antelope is like an elk. They rut in September. You know, it's a, it's in the goat family. And, uh, but so I'm out here chasing elk and here comes this antelope buck with one doe. He'll, he'll kind of peel one off and chase him around or whatever. And this sucker comes within about 20 steps of me and I don't have an antelope tag. It's the biggest antelope buck I've ever seen in my life. And and he's standing at 20 yards and I can't shoot him cause I don't have a tag. And, but I, I've always wanted to, I've just never, just never pursued it, I guess, you know, mule deer killed several mule deer yeah rifle uh with a bow killed killed several of them um now take me i, I want to mm-hmm. ask this because i you, i can i mean you're from right here hunting local yeah so you go out there on a on a mule deer bow hunt mm-hmm. and you go how do you how do you make that happen i mean that just blows my mind you know i watch fred eichler and greg ritz and all these yeah. people on tv do it and they you know they they set up in a position and stalk in and i'm sure i could ask any of our previous people from out west how they do it but i want to yeah. know how you do it i okay. mean I you mean, come from hunting just like we did in a deer right. stand deer so stand hunting absolutely um out there obviously it's a little bit different the terrain's a little bit different and that's what you're going to mm-hmm. use to your advantage is the terrain uh, wind obviously is a huge factor just like it is hunting any kind of big game but uh, just using that terrain and being able to get you know a little bit closer to them or maybe that's not close enough you reposition and get to another position point uh, and try to get ahead of that game so if you're like I remember one buck I killed uh, with my bow uh, it was a it was a buck it was a whole group of them okay and this this deer I, I happened to kill uh, not a huge deer but my biggest archery mule deer is 167 and um he was with uh he was with about four or five does and one smaller buck and they were just all in a group feeding in this ravine and i'm up on top kind of on some cliffs you know and that just happened to be what the terrain was in this area of montana we were hunting and uh you know basically i just kind of figured out which way they were headed right so i could kind of see they were feeding they had no idea i was there and they were feeding down the draw i said okay well I'm going to go out here and get on the point where they're feeding too, okay, and get in front of them. And that's exactly what I did. This buck actually wound up walking 18 yards of me. Oh, man. And, and when I first saw him, it was 150 yards, and but they're just slowly made their way. And, you know, patience comes into play just like any other kind of hunting does. But, um, you know, I, I guess there's a lot of ways to, to hunt a mule deer, though. You know, um, deer stand, I've killed them out of deer stand. In, in Montana before, on an alfalfa field, just like deer, you pattern them, right? Uh, they're coming. This was early season. Uh, mule deer, just like whitetails, their ruts later on in November or whatever. So they're still on a feeding pattern in September. I was actually out there on an elk hunt, had already killed an elk. So I said, I'm going to change gears, had a mule deer tag, started hunting mule deer, and I found an area. I, I just kind of got way back off, was doing some glassing, and noticed one corner where most of the deer kept coming in from. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was like, I'm going to put me a deer stand right there. And sure enough, I went back to the went back to the camp, got me a deer stand. We had some there in the barn. 
went and put it up and that next evening here he come he just right down that same trail you know so same kind of same kind of concept yeah as a whitetail but there's there's other ways to to kill them as well how, how did you how different did you go from sighting in your archery equipment from hunting georgia to oh it's way <laughs> it's way different absolutely so when I'm getting ready for deer hunting, I like to be elevated because that's what I'm going to do when I'm hunting out of a stand. So I like to get up on a back deck or uh, over at, over at my house in ball ground. I, I had a stand in the backyard, you know, and, and I had my I had my target and I could move that target at different ranges. So I like to do that for for whitetail. But when it comes to what I call flatland hunting, whether you're hunting a mule deer or elk or whatever, you just want to be on the ground. Uh, and and what I try to do is uh, I think Cody mentioned this on a, a couple episodes back is as get back as far as you possibly feel comfortable shooting not that you would take that shot but um i've shot as far as 100 yards before okay and that don't mean i was very good at shooting at 100 yards but i would try to dial that in as tight as i possibly could because realistically you could have a 70 yard elk shot and that's 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 hardly nothing out there you know uh, i've killed an elk at 55 yards before probably my my farthest shot uh, which isn't a whole lot, but you you can get shots further Pretty than that. Pretty good punk so. compared it to is. a thirty yard shot <laughs> yeah. in yeah. North Georgia. But you, you got to practice. You know, you know how it is. I mean, you want to practice further than what you think your shot's going to be, and that's what I that's what I always do. I try to get a little further and and hope to get within fifty or or closer. That's pretty. I mean, I, I try to practice out to. I like to start at fifty then go to 40, then go to 30, and then go to yeah. 20, and uh, and so on and so forth. Maybe start at 30, go to 20. And I always find that when you start at that farther range, mm-hmm. you pull it into 20, then you drop tight. You're, you're tight. That's yeah, right. And it, it, it always tightens up on you. Mm-hmm. What kind of bow you shoot? Hoyt. Mm. Yeah. My man. My man. <laughs> you knew he was going to say that. I, I really it. didn't. I, I mean, you've you've always shot a Hoyt? No, I had a I had a Matthews yeah, back, back years ago, and that's me and you thought. were shooting quite a bit. So uh, I had to I had to give props to Jason Lewis for for making me make the change. But he he's and like, now he's back on a Matthews train. Listen, he changes bows like most people change their underwear about <laughs> once every year. So, but now Hoyt, I, I it's hard it's hard to beat one. I tell well, you. I love my Hoyts. I do, and and now Matthews builds a great bow as anything. I mean, they but six in one hand half dozen in the other one what you're shooting but right. are you a single pin guy or a multi-pin i like single pin that's just me you know i like to be able to i like to be able to adjust now i will tell you what that that has come to bite me in the rear end a time or two you forget to change the whole I, that's me that's why know. i'm back multi-pin on this new bow i got yeah. i got five pins instead of one i'll never go it, back to a can, single pin because happen. of it it can happen but i, I like i like a single pin and know. i guess out west if you're going a single pin sight is almost as critical as as anything because you need to be able to adjust to those 70, 80 yard shots right. if you've got the equipment for it, of I course. See, I mean, I that's definitely. that you're not going to get it. It's hard to make that shot. And I could put it at the top of his back with my 60, and I'm going to drop it right in the bread basket at, you know, 70, 75 yards or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's a hard adjustment. I mean, it is. Single pins have made a game. What are you shooting now, Nick? I just got the single pin, but I ain't upgraded yet. So I'm still, I'll still stick with a single pin. That's what I'm, I mean. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not a multi pin. I, I, I have a hard time focusing on one pen enough <laughs> that I don't need five to look at. Yeah. You know, I almost poop. find it easier, and this don't sound crazy, to have multiple pens. Really? In my mind, for years, when I shot that five-pin spot hog, I knew when I got it 30 yards, I would I would go from – we've talked about this, what raising the bow and coming up on the target. And I knew if I was at 30, I had to pass my 20. 
in my mind tells me I've got to pass my 30 to get to my 40 or whatever. When I had that single pin, I would find myself coming up over the target looking for that pin. Having to settle back down. Yeah, and I would have to come back down on it and settle into it. I never did get good with that. I had a fast Eddie XL, and I never could get good shooting that that pin. I mean, I was not accurate like I used to be with a, with a multi-pin, so I went back to it with my new bow. Yeah. I'll tell you, this is a quick story. My my uncle is a, what I consider probably the best archer that I know. Um, What's his name? Casey Turner. Um, of course, here lives here in Canton. But uh, I, I've seen him shoot a mule deer bedded at 99 yards, and, and he don't get out of his bed. I mean, that's that's the kind of archer I'm talking about. But he he's really good, and that's all he does is bow hunting. I don't think he's picked up a gun in probably 25 years. But um, he taught me something when, when you're trying to settle on a pin, and everybody has their own little quirky things that they do, and you come set and you got your anchor point and you're, you're bringing it up, right, is obviously it's moving some, okay? He, what he does, <clears throat> and, and I, and I take, it, take it for what it is because he's really good at what he does, but he, he makes a cross with it. You know, it's just barely moving. So if it's going this way and making an X, and when he comes back across, and it's almost like a figure eight, he's making an X. And when he comes back across that X, boom, that's when he that's when he touches off. Um, but he he taught me that a long time ago, and that's that's kind of how I shoot. Uh, a lot of people have got their own different ways. They yeah. try to go up and down or left or right or whatever. But I sort of make that fit real small figure eight because if you're out there at 30, 40 yards, that pin's moving on that target. Well, know? I don't care who you are. You yeah. can't get solid. I mean, you're that's not right. going to have a solid, and you've got to find your own way of doing it. Yeah. But Drawing a figure eight, we've talked about that. But that when you taught me about how to come up, Nick did, he taught me you come up. And I used to want to come down. Yeah. I would come down into the target. And when I when I got to it. That caused you to shoot low a lot of it, times. It always did. Yeah. But when I came up, it's almost if I'm I'm in that fluid motion, I'm coming up one, two, you know, when I get to that point, I, I could touch it off and it was always easier. That's right. Right. Thumb release or uh, or what are you shooting now as far as release um, goes? Just got a little uh, mongoose, little mongoose. Just trigger, yeah, trigger. Good old Scott. Uh, absolutely, Scott releases. You got it. You try to back tension? I have not. You gonna try one for you? Uh, leave? I don't know about that. I might send one might, through that concrete might, wall. Yeah, send one where it don't need to go. Well, there's actually a new a new rest or excuse me a new release out. And who made that true ball? That the one that you bought that had the circle on it. Um. Is it true fire? fire? True fire. True fire, yeah. I got one. I got that over there. It's a finger. It's like a finger uh, back tension, which is, to me, is very hard. Mm-hmm. Now I have a back tension over there with a safety on it, and I love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't – everybody's takes what it is. But I, I feel like now more than I've read into it and stuff like that, I have, I have a tendency to have target panic. And with that back tension, it helps me hold on the target. I don't want to do the – raise it up, left or right, anything anymore. I want to put it on whatever I'm shooting at, hold it, and pull through it. And pull that tension. Yeah, I want to pull through it. Yeah. And, and that's where I'm at with my and, – and I'm probably going to deer hunt with it. They, the, a lot of people say don't, but um, I pulled back on two two does this year, and, and when I pulled back on them, it really made me think. Like, I didn't even take the safety off. I pulled back, and I never had the shot that I needed. But had I just – if I had my regular finger release – I probably would have just made a shot, like a probably not a good shot. So yeah. it made me really think. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep I'm gonna I'm deer give hunt. it a try this year. Yeah, I'm gonna deer hunt. With there you it. go. So well, and I, I I've tried it. I don't like it. It's not my forte. Yeah. I don't. I, but what you said about pulling through the shot, 
I have been, you watched me shoot over here. I have got to where I'll pull my arm completely through the shot, whereas I used to punch a trigger. Yeah. And I'll now pull through it completely with that, even with a, a finger release. And of course, I just use, I, I use a, um, a silver horn. It's the little, just a little J hook on mm-hmm. there. And it, and, and I pull my arm all the way through it to make myself go through that back tension motion. It's not necessarily a back tension release, but I'm following that same motion. Well, that'll help you follow through too. It you does. Know, it, it absolutely does. I'm using the back tension more for, I mean, I think I'm, I think it'll make me a better shot, but also try to break my target panic that I do have. And I, and I hope I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish target panic on my worst enemy. Not that I have any, but well, but I've, I've battled. It. I wish I had a video. Everybody pulling back in here. Everybody mimicking what we're doing over here. Oh, I know. <laughs> if y'all can see what we're over here, everybody, we're, we're talking with our hands. Yeah, yeah, everybody talks with their hands like like y'all can see what's going on here. But it does make it very interesting when you when you're doing that. So yeah, but if you if if you got it, I would say that back tension has probably helped me a lot. So. Well, target panic, back people, tension. Yeah, a lot of people don't want to admit it. And check out though, um, Levi Morgan actually has a YouTube video on how to how to build a, a practice for that that you built one of. Mm-hmm. That's you right. built one of those practices to to get yourself in a comfortable motion to use a back tension before you actually go hot. That's with right. It. Yeah, you got to get you used got, to that thing. Yeah, you got a little smack in the nose from that finger. Uh, that that finger. finger release, yeah, brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> but. Like Todd had popped you again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, James, you took us out west. You've, you've got us going on. Take me up to uh, to when you first started deer hunting in the Midwest. What was your first trip up there? Ooh. I know y'all used to have some property in Illinois, yeah? Illinois, yeah. Illinois. I've been hunting Iowa for probably. Oh, time out. T- time Take, out. Keep me All on right. the front end of okay. that. I want okay. Illinois first because I, I want you to tell that story about okay. that Iowa. Uh, I won't. I won't get there yet. But I, I've been hunting Iowa for probably close to twenty years, I guess. And Illinois, um, uh, Iowa. I've been hunting oh, Iowa you've been, for twenty oh, okay. years. Yeah, and then we hunted Illinois for probably I don't know, a good seven or eight years there for a stretch. And um, you know what? I never killed a buck deer in the state of illinois for the six or seven years that that we hunted up there killed some does killed a lot of does up there and just for doe management for one reason or another but um just just never had an opportunity to kill what i would consider a trophy buck you know and uh had opportunities a lot of deer a lot of bucks and just never just never made it happen you know for one reason or another and um you know that was i'd say that was probably early 2000s when we were hunting there you know so out of high school and then a little bit further on and uh you know uh, kentucky come about here probably in the last seven or eight years and uh really really started hunting a lot up there and got some family got some family land up there so fortunate enough to be able to hunt on that and um you know we we do we do quite a bit of what we consider trophy hunting you know i you know it's it's one of those things that uh in our family and, and what I call the Turner family is, is you try to best yourself, right? You know, you, and, and it's fine to, to kill a, a smaller deer, but if you've killed a, a 140, maybe you want to set your eyes on a 145 next time, or maybe a 148 or whatever the case may be. So, and, and realistically, that's kind of how I've, my, my trend of my hunting career has kind of been, I've just always kind of stepped it up a notch and just kept going and kept going and kept going and not that I've you know so for me for instance my biggest deer I've ever killed is the the one in Iowa was 169 and, and some change and 
if a one if a one fifty seven come walking by, he's getting the air let out of him. I guarantee <laughs> right. you. So it's not it's it's just all about opportunity, you know. So, uh, but but Kentucky, um, you know, going but going to that state, um, love Kentucky. They've got a they've got a two week rifle season, which is great. You know, right in the middle of the rut. So a lot of them midwestern states don't have that. Uh, cool thing about Kentucky is you can just kill the you know as a non resident you can just kill the one deer. So that kind of helps things as well. But um, the deer that I killed up there, uh, you know, it, it was in 2016 is when I killed it. And uh, kind of a funny story, we, we do a lot of hunting as a family, right? So my granddad, I, I spend probably more time with him than any other uh, hunting buddy that I ever have and, and, and probably ever will, but just uh, try to cherish those, those moments with him. And, and my Uncle Casey, he comes along as well and uh, get to hunt with him quite a bit. And, and kind of a funny story in, in that year, uh, still fairly new property to us, so we didn't know a whole lot about it. And and this is this is in Western Kentucky, but not farm ground. What you'd think of as like typical Western Kentucky. This was old reclaimed coal mine property, you know. And so you got hills and and ravines and all this stuff, and and no crop ground really around. But we've got this gas line that runs through uh, the eastern side of the property. Never really hunted it, and, and again, we didn't really know a whole lot about it because it's just our second year on the property, and. Uh, rifle season typically opens up there somewhere around the second week of november and runs right right through almost through thanksgiving or just shy of it and uh my 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 uncle casey got up there and he uh he likes to he likes to bow hunt okay so he didn't want to bow hunt during the rifle season so he got up there a week early he was going to hunt the week before and uh so he got up there and was doing some hunting and and so me and pops my i called my granddad pops and uh, so we said, well, we'll go up there a few days before rifles because we were just going to go rifle hunting. We weren't going to bow hunt or whatever. And so we said, we'll go up a few days, and we may bow hunt a day or two, and we're really going to gear up for this rifle season, you know. So we show up on a Wednesday. Uh, deer Rifle season opens on a Saturday. <clears throat> My Uncle Casey was leaving on a Friday. He goes and sets a camera out on a Wednesday when we get there. He goes and checks it uh, Friday or yeah Friday morning. And gets this deer on camera on this gas line with a doe, hot doe. And uh, he's getting ready to leave. He said, uh, this was Friday at lunch. He had already came back in, checked his camera and everything. And he showed me he showed me a picture of this deer. And he said, man, this is a stud right here. I said, uh, I said, you mind if I go over there? And he said, no. Nah. He said, that's absolutely. He said, I'm leaving. I got to go home. Go, go hunt that deer. And I said, right, I, I sure will. So I went and set me a camera up on that, <laughs> on that same gas line. And... Uh, crazy story so we we go in saturday morning i'm going and sitting on the stand and and the way this thing's set up is kind of in the bend of the gas line so i can see about i don't know 150 yards this way and about 350 this way and uh i checked the i checked the card on the way in i pulled it and switched it and i so i'm sitting in the stand while it's dark it's just in a box blind and i'm sitting there and i'm i'm kind of roaming through the pictures and sure enough right there he was that sucker had come through the night before on my camera, come right across that gas line. I thought, this is going, this is going to be good. And uh, so I'm sitting there, and that's it, probably the best morning hunt uh, that I had had in a really long time. I, I think I saw probably somewhere between 25 and 30 deer that morning. I mean, they were just moving. It was cold. It was crisp. And it started getting on up into the morning, look up and see this doe pop out. And uh, so I throw the binos up on her and checking her out and everything. And then all of a sudden, here he comes. 
And it's one of them it's one of them moments where you don't even have to you don't even have to think about it. You know, sometimes a deer comes out and like, ah, yeah, I don't know if I want to shoot him or not. This is a no doubter. You know, he comes shooter. out. He's a shooter. Mm-hmm. You know, you see just a he's a straight mainframe ten pointer, you know, hundred and almost hundred and sixty three inches. And it's just jaw dropping at the time. So I put the I put the the rifle up on him and uh, you know, put the put the crosshairs on him and I ranged him. I said, let me just see how far this is, see if I'm going to have any bullet drop at all. And I ranged him at 275 yards. And, and I, I shoot a kind of old school, but it's a Browning A-bolt 7-millimeter Magnum. Uh, and got a loophole scope on it. And so I dialed that thing in and uh, let it off. And that sucker just, boom, he hit the woods and was gone. And I thought, holy cow, what have I just done? And, and it, it, you know, by far I knew it was the biggest deer I'd ever killed. And I, I, so I'm sitting there, you know, old harps pumping real fast like this right here. And I said, shoot, I'm about to call my, call my good buddy. I called Jason Lewis and, uh, I'm sure he'll be listening to this and he, he'll remember this right here. But I called him up and I said, dude, I think I just killed the biggest deer I've ever killed in my life. He's, so he's all, you know, it's jacked up on the phone. It's just like he's right there with me. Right, you know, right. we're having just a good old time. I said, let me call you back. I'm going to get down there and go see if I can find this thing. So I give it about 30 minutes and I get up there to about where I think the deer's standing in this gas line. Now, this gas line ain't but 25 yards wide. You know, it's just a gas line in the middle of the woods. So you got timber on this side and timber on this side, and he shoots across, and I get up there, and I'm looking. I'm looking. I don't find nothing. I don't find hair. I don't find blood, and I don't see nothing. I thought, I think I've missed this deer. I mean, I'm I'm freaking out at this moment, you know, and uh, I can't remember if I called him then. I, I don't think I did. I think I waited till I found the deer, and I called him. But So I start walking towards the, the direction he went, and uh, it, it took me a good 15 to 20 minutes of just zigzagging back and forth and come to find out the deer wasn't laying 60 yards from where I shot him from. He had went up over a little rise and was behind a tree, and I just couldn't see him. And I walked up on him, and I'm telling you, just, you know, a row of horns just sitting there. Oh, he's just, a giant. No I mean, doubt. it just, uh, you know, it, it, and he didn't score that well, but he's, he's just a main, and I say he didn't score that well. Is a, is a good deer, biggest deer I'd ever killed in my life, but his frame and just the big 10 point, I mean, I would have thought he was a 180. You know, I, I was pumped up that much, and, and I don't care what he scored. He's the right. biggest deer I'd ever killed in my life. And so I called Jason back, and we were, you know, going through the air high fives and, the, you know, <laughs> through, the, through the cell waves and everything. But uh, it, that that was that was exciting. That was a good time. And uh, my granddad was there. Um, what Casey say? Well, <laughs> that might be a little bit of a sore subject a Uh-oh. little bit. No, it's not. It's not. He, he was he was happy for me, you know, and, and obviously I called him too, you know, while right. I was there and said, man, you ain't going to believe this. I, I killed your deer. I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, it, it was a good time, you know, and we, we always have a good time kidding back and forth. And um, Casey killed a, a really big elk one time, kind of kind of the same way. My dad found the elk and Casey killed it, you know, so it was a little bit of, little bit of back and forth, you know, so that was that was a good time, though. Got him back for old days. That's right. <laughs> well, let's, let's let's go a little bit further north. Okay, let's hear that one. All right. All what, right. what year was that? Iowa. Yeah. Um, what year was Kentucky? Kentucky was 2016, uh, and Iowa and Iowa was 2019. Yeah. You know, so not this past hunting season, but the year before. Okay. Um, and you boys know, at least Alex, you know, you got to get drawn up there and in the area that I'm hunting at. Uh, kind of bow hunting, bow hunting. Yeah, yep. always go. Well, I say always. I I killed a deer up there one time in shotgun season. I, I got a good friend of mine that lives out there, and uh, 
he owns a state farm insurance agency. Uh, super nice guy. I mean, just like you, you guys have got friends all over the Midwest, and and just it, just like you've been your neighbor for all your life. I mean, they're just good people, you know. And um, he invites me into his home. Um, his wife cooks for me the whole week. It's almost like an outfitted hunt, but it's a buddy, you know. And, <laughs> right, and, and right. he just he just invites you in, man. Hunt my land. You go hunt my my stands. You do whatever you want to do. And uh, this particular year was a little bit different. He called me, and I'll and I'll never forget it. I was in Dalton, Georgia, at a softball tournament for my daughter, and he he calls me. And so this was this was springtime, you know. So not even not even really thinking about deer hunting at this moment. He calls me and said, "Hey, man, I got an opportunity for you." Um, I've got two buddies of mine from Missouri that have leased a piece of property, 450 acres that joins my farm and they thought they were going to get drawn, but only one of them got drawn, you know? So I say spring, so it had to be after May cause that's yeah, when, right. the, so it's probably June, let's say. And, uh, he said, uh, I really think you should go in on this deal. And I said, well, you know, how much is it? And he told me the price. I said, that sounds pretty reasonable. I said, I'm in, count me in. I'll just do that. Never even met this other guy. I'm in on a lease with him now, and I don't even know him. So, I, I but I just I trust Kevin that much. And um, so, anyways, we get the lease, 450 acres. The owner sends me the the topos and the everything, and so I kind of mapping out a game plan for when I get there. And this guy, the other guy, lives uh, in Missouri, so he's only like five hours away from this property. Fast forward uh, to when I get there in November, I get there, I think November 2nd, if I'm so not you mistaken. You just went up for one week. You didn't go. Yeah. You and, just had that one and, week. And that's to it. Hunt. You know, I mean, was, and was that guy running cameras for you? Was it Kevin? I, yeah, Kevin. So I sent him some cameras, uh, sent him some covert cell cameras and also sent him just some regular cameras to run for me. And, and he put them out in, uh, in some different strategic places. And, and we had, had some, had a few bucks on camera, nothing crazy to get too excited about, but had some good bucks. And, um, I primarily focused most of my hunting efforts that week on that lease, even though he's got probably a thousand acres I could have hunted on, but I had this lease and, and he felt so confident about, you know, this, this property holds some big deer. You need to, right. you need to focus. So I, I took his advice and, and I hunted there. And, uh, primarily we had a, uh, Southwest wind and, or a West wind. And so most of the sets that I hung, I was hang, I was hunting lock-ons because I'm archery hunting using a Millennium hang-ons, and and I had three sets on the eastern side of this wood block that's in the middle of this property, and we go in for evening, and we're sitting down and we're eating, and I'm sitting there looking at my phone. I'm like, man, we're gonna have a a northeast wind in the morning. That ain't gonna be good for none of my. I don't have a stand set up for that. What am I? I, I almost thought about not even hunting that morning and just going and doing a little recon work. Is right. what I thought, and. uh we got done eating dinner, and about that time, the guy um, that I'm in on the lease with calls me. He says, hey, man, how's it going? He's just checking in. I'm going I'm to be up there. So I, I get out there, and I forget the exact days, but let's say I get there on a Saturday. This is rolling around to about a Tuesday, he says, uh, or Monday. He says, I'm going to be up there Thursday. I'm, I'm just going to be able to hunt a long weekend, uh, looking forward to meeting you and everything. And I said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I said, and I told him about the deer activity and everything, and um he said, uh, or I, I told him, I said, yeah, man, I, we've been having a good time, but the wind's going to be kind of screwing on me in the morning. I don't know what I'm going to do. I got a northeast wind. He said, he said, hey, I got a stand right over here on the southwest corner of that block. He said, northeast wind, that'll be perfect for you. Right. And, and it's right next to a bedding area. It's within 100 yards of a cedar thicket. He said, go sit that stand. I said, you're kidding me. He said, no, nah, go check it out and let me, you know, report back and let me know. 
I said, ah, no, that, I really appreciate that, buddy. You know, never met him before in my life. Talked to him maybe three times, you know, just kind of getting each other fired up for the season. And uh, so I, sure enough, I go and I, I, I sit that stand. And my buddy Kevin at the time, he's a he's a part-time farmer. He owns a state farm agency, so he's combining, you know, and during this time. They're, it's still kind of late, but they're still they're still picking corn. So they're out there combining. And uh, so he was nowhere to be around. I was by myself. So I just drove over there, got out, and went in the stand and, and sitting there and saw a few deer, a little bit slow. It was cold that morning. Uh, but he had a lock-on stand about 20, 20 feet up in the stand. And back behind me, I don't know, maybe 100 yards, I could see that cedar thicket. And I don't know, probably along about nine fifteen or so, I look up and I just see movement. Okay, coming coming right at me. Deer's probably more than likely headed to that bedding area that's behind me, and uh, I sort of got a sort of a crosswind coming this way. And uh, hang on, so what was he coming out of? Woods, woods, just woods yep. over to a cedar thicket. Yep, yep. So gotcha. kind of the setup here. I'm I'm facing in this situation. I'm I'm in a southwest corner of this uh, timber block. I've got a big cornfield over to my west, about 200 yards out of the timber, and then probably 400 yards to my east is a bean field. I got bedding behind me, probably a 20 or 30 acre thicket directly south of me, and this deer is coming from my northwest, so he's kind of angling towards me, coming towards the cedar thicket. And all of a sudden, I just see, I just see movement, and then I throw the albinos up, and I see, holy cow. You know, I just see horns, you know, it wind up being like 16 scoreable points. And I thought, holy cow, what, what is this? Another one of those, shooter one of them moments, shooter yeah. moments. Hey, put the binos down and get ready. And and I don't know how you boys do, but if I, I stand a lot. I only, oh, yeah. I only sit down to rest my legs. Yep, yep. You know, I know some guys will sit down and then stand up when they get tired. But I, I'm standing 99% of the time when I'm bow hunting. And so I was already stood up. You know, I've got a you know one of those real tree arms that comes around mm-hmm. and holds your bow holder and everything. So I went and eased around, grabbed that thing, and he's he's feeding slowly right to me, right to me. I never I, and at this point, you know, you always hear the uh, the old timer say, "Don't ever stare at his horns." Once you've once you've realized you're going to make the decision to shoot that deer, especially when it's a big deer, don't look at his horns anymore. Right. You know that'll just freak you out and you get buck fever. So I try to adhere to that. But so I'm I'm watching the deer. He's coming, coming, coming. And uh, he gets within about 15 yards and steps out from behind a tree. And this kind of goes back to that single pin we was talking about a while ago. I had I always, when I'm sitting in the woods especially, I, I just have it set on 30 yards. Yeah. Okay. And same thing. I had it set on 30 yards, and this deer comes in, sort of freaks you out a little bit, and I didn't even think to change it. But for me, in the Hoyt, and you probably know this, and, and a lot of other bows too, I'm sure, but zero to 30 there's not a whole lot of movement in the pen right right? so i felt comfortable with it but i didn't think about it It didn't dawn on me so when i he he took a couple more steps and he's at 12 yards so i come to full draw and i'm 20 feet up in there he's at 12 yards you know how close that is it's almost like you're down on top of him and so when i'm aiming i'm aiming right where i think i need to be and i shoot this sucker high uh on the on the shot side and it goes in the top of the lungs and i thought holy cow what have i just done i think i may you know there's sort of a no man's land up there if you get a little too high and i thought maybe i'd done that and that deer takes off running crashing running through the trees and and all hell breaks loose and i'm sitting there and i thought oh my god what have i done i I may have i may have messed up not moved my pin and shot this deer too high I could see the blood coming out, but it was high. I mean, I'm telling you, you can look at my pictures and everything, oh, yeah. and you can see it's high. But uh, and I'll, I'll get to the I'll get to the end of that in a second. But so that deer runs off, and I'm sitting there, and 
Constantly second guessing. Constantly, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the so, whole time. The yeah. whole time, you know. So I give it a 15, 20 minutes, and I think – I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call my good buddy. You know me, Jay, me and Jason Lewis are we're real good. We're good buddies. So, anyways, I said, you know what? I'm gonna call him. I pick up the phone with him, and he's like, dude, you. And he's in Iowa now. I think I said this on the other episode, but uh, he's hunting just an, just about an hour, you know, away from me, and he'd already killed his deer. Yeah, you know, so he he was getting ready to pack up and head home. And, uh, you know, he'd been putting in for three or four or five years or whatever it was. And uh, so he was packing up, getting ready to head. So I call him. I said, dude, you're not going to believe what I just did. And I think I've screwed it up. He said, no, no, you, you, not that close. You, you, you got him. You know, so he was trying to keep my confidence right, level right. up. And, and I said, well, let me, I'll call you back. Let me, let me let you go. So I sat there and, and just kind of sulked for the next 10 or 15 <laughs> more minutes. And I said, all right, I'm getting down. I get down. I go over there and I check my arrow and it's got good blood. I mean, I'm talking good, good, good blood and a little bit of bubbles on it. You know what that means? And, um, so I started trailing him and I get over there to a point where I'd lose blood. And it's kind of a point that goes off down into a ravine this way. And then there's another ravine back to my right. And so I, I take the ravine that goes off to the left and go down and I'm scouring it. I'm looking, I'm looking, I don't see nothing, absolutely nothing. And I thought, well, let me come back to where I fat last found blood. I get out the old tissue paper. I don't know if y'all do that trick oh, yeah. or not. <laughs> drop a little piece here, drop mm-hmm. a little piece. That way it's easier to see. And I'm, I'm going out through there and I get to the top of that ravine that went right. And I, I'm starting to find more blood and I, and I'm looking, I still don't see him. And then all of a sudden I look down at the bottom of the ravine. And when I say ravine in Iowa, I don't know. Oh, where they're, you they're as 25, 30 yeah, feet. No, down. it's, it's, it's cliff ravines. Yeah, I mean, they ain't yeah. no, them water ditches when they wash out, it, them snow melts, it is it's unreal. Serious. Absolutely. So I look down and that sucker's at the bottom of that ravine, about 25 feet, just piled up. And I thought, holy, I thought I'd about done a flip going down the hill to get to him. But you ain't going to believe this. I get down there. And I pull him, half his horns are in the mud because mm-hmm. he, he had, you could tell where he had fallen down the ravine. And just in that 30 minute period from when I killed him to when I recovered him, a coyote had done got a hold of him, started eating his back end. Oh, I believe Just it. in 30 minutes, just that quick. You actually, in some of my pictures that I've taken, you can see the hair and stuff laying yeah. there, but, uh. But anyways, that was that was my biggest deer ever. And Jason um, come over there, didn't he? No, he, he, was, he was already headed. I think oh, okay. he was already headed home. But uh, so I, I called my buddy Kevin. He was on the combine, and I said, "Buddy, I said I hate to bother you. I know you're working, but you're gonna have to help me get this sucker out of here." And of course, he came over, and we got him out, and took pictures, and high fived, and just how hard him. was it to get out of that ravine? You know what? It actually wasn't that bad. We we pulled him down the other side of the ravine mm-hmm. and and went on the other side oh, and okay. got him. So it wasn't wasn't too bad. But uh, it what, was. What Missouri say? Huh? What Missouri say? Missouri. The guy from Missouri. Guy, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, don't leave that part out. Yeah, don't leave that part out. Yeah, so he, uh, so I call, obviously I got a call and tell him, man, I, I really, really appreciate you loaning me your stand, but I done killed a, done killed almost a gross booner. And he said, you, I mean, he, he was silent for a second. He said, man, you got to be kidding. I said, no, nah, I ain't kidding you. And I had Kevin right there with me. And he said, no, nah, he ain't kidding. He done killed him a good one. And uh, he said, God dang, man, I'm happy for you. He said, you're going to have to buy me a ham for Christmas or something. <laughs> I said, hey, hey, buddy, I'll send you a ham for, for loaning me that <laughs> yeah. spot. Absolutely. Did he so. end up killing one? He didn't. He come on up uh, Thursday and hunted for about four or five days, and he come back a little later, and he, he wound up not killing a deer. Wow. So, uh, and, and here's the crazy thing, and, and, and deer and you guys have been around hunting your whole life, and you know this, but we had no idea this deer was even there. We'd been running. Oh, yeah. tra- he'd been running trail cameras for over three months. Six cameras on this entire farm, and he is not on either any of the cameras whatsoever. There was another deer, another ten pointer, clean ten. Uh, you know, probably around the one sixty mark that I was really after and had actually seen earlier on in the hunt. 
this was like day number three or four into the hunt and uh i was actually hunting another deer didn't even know this deer existed or lit you know he could have come off another surprise. farm from, surprise <laughs> you know so uh but that's it man that's uh that's 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 about as good as it gets for me when it comes to whitetail hunting so Sounds like you don't want James hunting your stand or <laughs> wacky <laughs> deer. Get my stand. Yeah, poor old Casey in poor old Missouri done lost two good in there. Tell you what, he, he, he thought he was just going to get a report back, but uh, he got something a little more you, than that. You still uh, you still hunt that ground? Uh, you know what? So it's on an annual lease, and with, you know, Alex, you know this, and, and Iowa and, and the area that I go to, um, you're not getting drawn but about every four years, and, yeah. it, and it's getting closer to five now for archery anyways. Uh, you can get drawn uh, a little sooner than that with a with a shotgun. shotgun yeah, but, you still but, get a shotgun hunt that Kevin guy's land. Probably not, you know, because you burn a point uh, when you when you do that, and you, so you can't just go gun hunting. And you know, so I like to build my points for archery because there is no gun season in the in the month of November in Iowa. So I like to build my points, and I strategize around that. You know, I I'm not some big time hunter, and you know, I don't go to all these places, but I. I, I like to try to plan that I'm going to, you know, so I, I've got some hunts coming up hopefully this year. I'm, I'm looking to looking to hopefully get drawn in Montana for an elk and mule deer hunt. Uh, i got another good buddy of mine. We're, we're possibly going to uh, look to go elk hunting in New Mexico if we can get drawn. Um, and then Kansas, you know, I hadn't talked about Kansas yet, but that's kind of new on our, on our radar uh, last year and this coming year. So got a place out there we're going to be hunting and they got a little bit different seasons out there. They got an early muzzleloader season, which y'all are well aware of. <laughs> Mr. Lewis done smoked some monsters on that, uh, and he, he kind of turned me on to that. So I uh, had to give him props to that. But we're looking forward to that too, because that that property out there in Kansas holds some holds some big deer. So yeah. well, well and James, like like we said early on, we wanted to get you on and talk. We knew you'd you'd talk of, about some stuff, and uh, we could sit here all night and talk about all the all the stories that we could bring to the table. But you know. We ain't got all night <laughs> always, and uh, but I mean, I definitely, definitely want to appreciate you coming on. So, Nick, you want to? He's wanna, already, he's he he better be ready for it. He's you better hit it. him with it. He's already heard it <laughs> once. What's some advice you gonna give an upcoming hunter or an adult, young child, anybody? You know, that's that's a great question. Obviously, I've heard it time and time again. Listen to the <laughs> show, and uh, you know, it's big fan of it. So, um, you know, I, I I'd say just. Get out there and enjoy it, you know. Um, that may sound kind of cliche, but just for me at least, it's it's a way for me to disconnect from everything. You know, whether I'm turkey hunting or I'm elk hunting or I'm deer hunting or whatever, um, it's a time for me just to just to just to be with myself, be with be with uh, the good Lord upstairs. You know, I get to get to have a lot of prayer time that I don't normally get to have during. Uh, normal uh, normal life, you know, everything's so fast-paced with kids' sports and doing this and doing that and work, you know how that goes. And, um, you know, it just just get out there and enjoy it, have a good time, um, and, and, and learn. You never stop learning. I never stop learning. I, I learned a lot of stuff today uh, on the previous episode that I didn't even know about, you know. So I think the older you get, you can never stop learning, and that, that goes uh, with anything in your life, not just hunting, not just fishing, but – uh, you you just continue to learn as as you grow. So um, just get out there and have fun and learn about it. So well, you know the next absolutely. One. <laughs> what are you thankful for? I tell you what, um, I knew that was coming, and 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 what I'm absolutely most thankful for, uh, not putting one above another. Uh, I got two, but my family first and foremost, and 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 the good Lord above for for saving me, and and uh, you know always having having that that. Uh, that relationship with God, those those are my two most precious blessings that I could say. 
you know, yeah. by far. That's it. So, yeah. Well, we always resonate with that. You got to appreciate your family and and uh, and being I, thankful and, to and, God and, for. And I know everybody always says, just get out there and enjoy it and take it in. But there's nothing more calming and peaceful to me than leaning up against a tree during spring, and just sitting there watching the sun come up. Whether something's gobbling or not, I just kick back and relax and just watch it. Well, you know, I we went up to Tennessee this past weekend and. We always go up there for an annual squirrel hunt, and I told Dad, I said, we'll just take one dog. I really don't want to, you know, walk them hills because they're mountains up there. I mean, this is East Tennessee big. So, you know, I'd, I'd made preparations and, and set myself up a coyote hunt. And that first stand, Michael came and got me Saturday morning, and anybody that saw the picture that I shared of that dog that I killed, it was probably one of the most beautiful sits I've ever made in my entire life. And – it, it happened fast. We killed that dog in 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I really didn't have a time to reflect on it. And we went to another spot just over the mountain. And uh, Michael Worley, he's a really good friend of mine, Rusty Brunson. He's, Rusty's the one that introduced me to him. I met him in Iowa. He had come up with, with him hunting. And, of course, everybody up there, uh, Troy, Doc, Biscuit, Vern, Mark, everybody that's there, Rusty, Billy, I mean, they're all family to me now. I mean, it's become that way with them. And, but Michael and I was sitting there and we're sitting right next to each other and we'd called and we didn't see anything on it. And I just looked at him and I said, you know, I said, there's people all over this world that are going to, they'll wake up today and they'll miss what me and you've been able to be blessed enough to see this morning. He said, I was sitting here thinking the same thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it was, it was one of those mornings that just, and it was cold, 18 degrees, but you know, we'd dressed for it and everything, but it was just one of those mornings that you just, you, you better be thankful to be alive. Cause if you ain't, you just ain't living right. I mean, it was, and it meant the world to go up there and spend that time with them. You ever so. pulled your phone out to take a picture of a sunset or a sunrise and it just don't come through the photo all the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Sometimes I believe it's just meant to be to leave that phone in your pocket and sit back and enjoy it. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we try to take a picture of it and we almost lose the focus of, yep. you know, that yep. moment, yep. live yep. in the moment, yep. you know, yeah. so. Well, James, we can't thank you enough for coming on, man. Absolutely. I think it's been—I think it's been a blast. I mean, yeah. I was—you're oh, yeah. a—you're a very—you're just like us. You grew up hunting, and you've been blessed enough to go out west and up north hunting. And uh, I'm sure you're gonna continue to hammer on them like you have been. And I, I can't wait to see what you do this year. And and, and you know. You just keep bringing those uh, those stories to the table because we'll have to get you back on sometime for yeah, sure. I, got, I guess I, I got one more question, really. I, I just kind of thought of it since you're a big listener. Has this inspired you to do anything different? You know, I I don't know if it's inspired me to do anything different. I, if anything, it's got me more excited about the upcoming seasons. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. kind of like we were talking about before. With with you're this you're this this is the most excited you've been about turkey season yeah. that, you, that you can remember. And I and I think this probably has a lot to do with it. Yeah. You know, because you're you know listening it's almost like you're in here with you guys right and so you get to listen to everybody else's stories it gets you fired up it does you know? it's just it's it's really exhilarating how different and this is something i wanted to ask how different is it on this side of the fence compared to listening to it oh it's different there ain't no <laughs> doubt about it. everybody I, thinks it's real easy to come down here uh, and just tag, talk 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 yeah, but it yeah. it is for some of us yeah but. Well, some of us we ain't gonna name no names but uh no it's, it's definitely different i mean and i knew that i you know getting on to some it's not like you're being videoed here but you're yeah. being recorded and everybody's yeah. gonna hear it so you're a little bit nervous and uh, but no, it's 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 been good, and I appreciate you guys having me on. I really do. Absolutely. Well, we'll have you back on in the future. I'm sure we got we got a lot a lot of time, and uh, this is uh this is going to be episode 27. So we're uh, we're knocking up on. Is that right? 
yeah, so. yeah, yeah, dude, because the big DH will drop on 25, and I can't wait for everybody to hear that one. And then, uh, of course, with the Baku guys, I mean, it's been a fun night of recording, and, and I'm glad we uh, glad we invited you over because it's been a it's been a privilege. So, for everybody out there that's tuned in the episode, we can't thank you enough. You know, continue to go along with us wherever you can find us at. We're gonna drop a video soon to get everybody out there that wants to listen on that don't necessarily know how to find us on everything, so you can find us where you can. But uh, you know, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll be back real soon. So, for everybody here at Talk About It Outdoors, thanks for tuning in. Remember to smile as you go and don't forget to mount the memories.